Welcome to the Teacher's Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thank you for listening. What a strange time we are living in. I'm sure none of us ever imagined that we'd be living through a time like this. It reminds me of watching series like 24, where it was a possibility but never a reality for us. And while the virus does not have a high mortality rate in the grand scheme of things, as other infectious diseases, it's still very serious. As educators and parents, we're living life on the edge at the moment, feeling like we have to be planning for two scenarios keeping the day-to-day school running, and valuable learning of course, whilst also preparing for school closures that could happen at a moment's notice with no time to prepare, but nobody knows when. So we've obviously been discussing this a lot at Classroom Secrets, you know, how we can help teachers, how we can help parents, and I thought it would be good to give you a summary of the topics that have come up, because it'll help you practically in the event of school closures, especially if you're a parent. So just before we get to the main content, I want to tell you the three things that we're doing to support you. So first of all, Classroom Secrets Kids. It's a free website. We were actually in beta testing and we've decided to to keep it free for as long as we're able. And we've also ramped up the amount of content that we are putting on there in the event of school closures. So children can log in using any device and they can complete interactive activities pitched at their year group. So there are video tutorials on there as well, and that's kids.classroomsecrets.co.uk. The second thing that we're doing are home learning packs. So these have been created for each year group, so you can choose the right one for your children. So they include revision worksheets and activities, answers in a separate booklet, because you might want to send that home, or if you're a parent, you don't want the children to be able to look at that. A set of practical activities, and if you're a teacher... There's a letter in there to send home as well to parents, so that could be handy. And the third thing is a Facebook group. We've set up the Coronavirus Home Learning Support for Teachers and Parents Facebook group, and I'd encourage you to join. People are already sharing some good ideas in there, and me and the team have been sharing live videos of practical ways to learn that are just more fun for everybody. So in the event of UK school closures, then I'll have to be going live a lot more in there as I set up activities for my three-year-old and I can talk you through them. Anyway, let's get to the advice. Hi everyone, this is a really short episode today. I don't have any guests, it's just me. Um, And I just wanted to take you through some ideas that, that we've had that would help you in the event of school closures and home learning. So this episode is, yes, it's useful for teachers, but it's also really useful for parents. So it might be something that you want to share with the parents of the children in your class. So it might be helpful for you at home. But we were thinking, you know, what are the key things that you need to make sure continue or that you need to be doing when your children are at home or if the children in your class are at home? So this episode is... Is focused very much on what it looks like for a child when when they are at home. So it's kind of like from the parent's point of view. So the first thing that I think is really important is routine. So you need to be thinking about routine, 
you know, what will your day look like? So I think it's important to stress that when you're thinking about routine, it doesn't necessarily have to be nine till three. So unless school are involved, of course, so if school are doing video conferencing and, and they have to be available for a certain amount of time, then obviously you do. But if not, then it doesn't need to be nine till three. It doesn't need to be that long. So a lot of homeschool children do not do nine till three. Um, and research says, you know, that homeschool children can actually learn in shorter amounts of time because of the ratio of the adult to the child. And they can learn things a lot quicker. So think about what the routine will be and then stick to it. So your children can expect the same thing every day. So it might be that you decide to do an hour's learning before breakfast, if that's when you feel like your children are really focused. But if your children aren't focused then, then you're not gonna do that. It might be that you just do the three hours in the morning till lunchtime, and then in the afternoon you do more PE kind of things. But obviously it all depends on whether it's just school closures or whether it's real lockdown and we're not allowed to go anywhere. Um, and whether you've got a garden or not, and whether it's a nice day. So I think that's important to think about the routine, what the routine will look like. So the second thing then to think about is reading. So you, you need to read lots. And that doesn't have to be, oh, you know, I have to buy in lots of books, or I need to get to the library beforehand. You know, it could be websites, it could be magazines. Um, and we were having a conversation just a minute ago about how back in the day, before we had phones, um, we used to be experts in all the ingredients of um, the shampoo bottles and the shower gel bottles that were in the toilet because we wanted something to do while we were on the toilet and there were no phones. Um, so the, there are so many things that, that your children can read. And I think when they are reading, then ask them questions, you know, ask them why. Ask them to, to predict, get them to make predictions about what's going to happen to ne next. But also use it as an opportunity to let them follow their interests. So sometimes... At school, you know, it's if they're learning about Romans, everybody's learning about Romans and it's kind of focused on that. But this is a real opportunity to let them follow their own interests and go with it because there's nobody really able to kind of check in on that. So if your children are really interested in dinosaurs, then let them go down that route. Um, and you can look at websites and magazines, as, as I say. So the next thing is think about chores. Now, I might get some backlash for this, but... Do you know what? It is a good opportunity to learn. And my three-year-old, I don't necessarily ask her to do chores, but she wants to help me do them. And, and I've recently started letting her do more because she wants to learn that and I shouldn't stop her from learning that. So, you know, doing the dishwasher is not a bad thing to learn if your children don't know how to do it. It's a good opportunity to get them to help you in the house, learning to make the beds, learning to tidy everything away, you know, it might be that you want to use it for an opportunity of a good sort out as well. Maybe they help you with that, sorting out all the books that they've got. Maybe they, they, they look at taking some things to the charity shop. Obviously, when the charity shops are open, if they're closed, I don't know. Nobody knows anything. So that's the third one then. You know, think about chores and use it as an opportunity for them to learn new skills. So the fourth thing then, in, involve them if you can. So it is difficult, but... If, it's, if you're working from home and you're working and, it's, and it is appropriate as well, so obviously if it's not appropriate, you can't do it. But if they want to be involved, try and involve them in some way. So if you are a teacher and you're at home and you're preparing some resources, maybe you're um, cutting them out and your children are old enough, 
then let them help with that because they'll it will help you but they'll be involved and really it's kind of like a window into the world of work I think we just need to be viewing this as an opportunity rather than a really big hassle um, there are other things that they can learn and although we might not realize that um, they're learning it we should step back and think what you know what can they actually learn from this and this is a good life skill even though we might not associate it with learning because they wouldn't normally learn it at school um, okay so that is the the fifth thing so the sixth thing then play it's really important that they play give them time to play especially if they're learning in a different way and we're going to talk about a few of those things in a minute then they will probably mirror that learning in their play as well um, especially if you've got younger children in EYFS or Key Stage 1 uh, I see it a lot with my daughter she learns something and then she likes to act it out in her play so don't underestimate the power of play and if you could just um, kind of guide that or steer that or ask the right questions then that is a learning opportunity as well so the next one then let them write but let them write what they want to so particularly in key stage two you know we're very structured with our writing writing about the subjects that we want them to write about or um, in the way we want them to write but I remember being at school and we had a jotter and we could just free write in the morning it wasn't it didn't just have to be that but that's probably when I wrote the best things because I was interested in writing it I wanted to write a story about what I wanted to write about and so this is a great opportunity to see what they're interested in what they want to write about what do they want to write a story about um, so give them an opportunity every day to just write and they could write a letter they could write a story they could write anything that they want to write about and if they're really into it you know that might go over a few days so just let them write and then the last thing is home learning pack so if school send home a home learning pack and you know us as a company classroom secrets we are creating home learning packs for these different year groups and we're doing that because teachers are generally generally required to send those home but I think it's important to be careful when you do them so you don't want it to be a massive chore for you or for your children and I'm already stressing about this hopefully because my daughter's three I won't get one um but you know if she was a bit older I would probably get home learning pack and the last thing I want to do is sit with her and encourage her I'm going to use the word encourage but I don't mean that um to to do a home learning pack so I think what I would be doing is looking for opportunities in the day where I know that she's on form and she's most likely to be interested in doing it so after lunch she's quite tired four o'clock she's quite tired first thing in the morning she's quite tired so look for the windows when you know that it's going to be the easiest for you and the easiest for them and then you'll both get the most out of it so remember what I said you know you don't have to have a school day nine till three yes you need to make a routine yes you need to stick to it but it doesn't have to be nine till three and if you're if you're clear with your children as well like oh because we're doing home learning we're going to do things a bit differently I actually think they'll probably like the fact that it's different like oh because we're learning from home we don't have to learn the whole amount of time we don't have to learn nine till three it's a shorter day and that's exciting and I'd, I'd play on that um so another tip then we want you to think practical so anything that you can make practical do 
So it's a lot easier in some ways to make things practical at home than it is in school because you don't need as many resources. You know, you don't need one for every child or every pair or whatever. So we were thinking about the things that you can make practical and you can um, think about while you're at home. So one of those things is uh, capacity. So any, any form of measurement, capacity, length, mass, or, you know, we know it as weight as well. Um, you know, could you, could you weigh things? And I'm going to talk in a minute about the kind of things that you could do there. You could do fractions, 2D and 3D shapes. You could do sorting objects. You could do ordering, comparing. So if you're freaking out right now by these things I'm saying, don't worry, I'm going to go into some more detail in a minute. Um, vocabulary. You could focus on vocabulary without actually writing. So great writers have a big range of vocabulary. And you know what? They're often good speakers because they're able to articulate in different ways and they can write in an interesting way. Um, spelling, we can look at that. Science, that's a good opportunity. Um, especially, you know, if it's to do with mixing things or cooking. And, and money. So here are some ideas then to make things practical. You know, if you're doing maths, for example, I've actually ordered um, balance weighing skills. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to do this. And one of the reasons why I've done it is because I've got a three-year-old. But if she was in key stage two, then I would just use my normal weighing scales. And we could get things out of the cupboard. Like we could get a tin of beans and a tin of soup. And even though they both say 400 grams, we could weigh them and see if that's correct. And we could also see which one was heavier. Um, you know, I could ask my three-year-old, which weighs more then? Is it two bananas or two apples? Um, and I could just go around the house and find all sorts of things. You know, if she's got two dolls, um, I won't use any brand names, but, you know, they're quite thin and they've got long hair. You know, we could weigh those and see if one was heavier than the other or they weighed the same. So that's one idea. Um, so more ideas then to make things that are not practical, maybe more practical. So could you write calculations in chalk in the garden? If it's a nice day and you want to do some maths and, you, and you're doing simple calculations, then you could write them in chalk in the garden. That's going to excite the children a lot more than sitting at a desk and writing. And because obviously you don't have a whole class full of children, it's an opportunity to make that more practical. Another thing that you could do if it came to spellings, you could do like a, a practical spellings test where you actually chalk stars around the garden and then you could ask your children to find the stars and every time they find a star, then you tell them a word that they have to spell. So it's just about thinking about how do we make this a little bit more physical um, and a little bit more fun so they think that it's not like school. So you can even just add in the fun to normal things. So you could ask your children to write sentences about a certain uh, topic or words and they could write those in chalk in on the flags in the garden and it, just whatever you want. But every time they've written a sentence, then they could have a turn on the slide if you've got a slide in your garden or they could go on the swing and maybe they do it 10 times or something. There are, there are ways and means of making this more fun. Um, you could practice letter formation by filling up an old squeezy water bottle and then trying to form different letters. Or you could do, you could get sand or shaving foam or flour. The shaving foam one is not an idea I will be doing because it's too messy. But flour, you could do some flour outside and then you can write the letters in there. 
Um, so times tables, you could do that using gravel or or any kind of things you can find outside. I mean, it's coming, it's coming a bit warmer, so it might be that you find some kind of berries, obviously not poisonous ones, so you could make arrays. So an array, if you don't know, um, you would, so if I did um, three lots of four, I would have four across the top and I would have three down the side. And so it would be a rectangle. Um, or you could put them in groups. So if I was doing the two times table, I could put um, two together, then another two together, and then another two together. And I could do that in a line, but then I could write two, four, six underneath. So I could practice my times tables that way. Um, any kind of baking or cooking is going to be helpful. I think the key here is, though, you don't just want to do it once and you want to make different things so that the measurements are different, um, especially if you're going to be reading the measures on the jugs. So you could, this is something that I already do, actually. So you could you could use um, wooden letters if you've got those or you can just write them on pieces of paper. But you could write words or sounds and then you could hide them around the room and then make it into a game. So you could go say, uh, go find me, and they have to go around the room and look for us and then bring it back to you. You know, how quickly can they do that? Is it a race? Especially if you've got children of a similar age. Um, another thing that you could do, so if you have uh, word cards or even sound, then you could put them out on the table. You could use this for synonyms as well, actually. So uh, words that are the same or, or different. So you could put them on the table and then you could say the word and then the child has a spatula and then they have to splat the word or the sound um, as quickly as they can as you say them. So another thing you could do when you're tidying toys away, especially for the younger children, is grouping. So you could group them by colour or you could um, group them by what they are. We tend to put them away based on what they are. So I don't know about you, but I put all the Duplo in one drawer and then I'll put all the little people in another drawer. So you could even you know, do things like that when you are tidying away. You might not necessarily do anything different, but you're just asking those questions and making sure they, they understand kind of the mass behind it. So you could do grouping of like coloured pegs and do some fractions work. So if you had nine green pegs and then one red peg, you could say, well, 10% of these pegs are red um, and 90% of these pegs are green. And then you can make it harder. Um, depending on how comfortable you are with that. You could talk about things like halves and quarters when you're um, making pizza or toast or even if they're reading a book. So how far are they through their book? Are they halfway through? Are they a quarter way through? You can measure different rooms in the house. Um, so get the tape measure out and actually measure the perimeter of a room. And then see if you can work out the area as well. And is it, you know, are you pretending that you want to buy a new carpet? I think all these things are things that children will really remember. Um, so when they're in a classroom and it says on a worksheet, oh, so-and-so wants to buy a new carpet, they don't really relate to that. But if they're in their own house and they've got to actually measure up a room and think about getting a new carpet, all of a sudden it becomes real and it becomes memorable learning, something they're actually going to remember. It feels more practical to them. Um, you could measure cupboards in your house and find out the volume by, by measuring them and then calculating the volume. You could describe your food. So you might be having a sandwich 
Um, so especially for the younger children, you could describe, oh, this sandwich is very soft. The bread is soft. You know, the the edge is crusty. Um, you know, the lettuce is, is crunchy. You could think of all different words to describe the different food that you are eating. You could also play a game where you have clues. So guess something. So I actually play this with my daughter quite a lot and you can definitely make it much harder. But I will give her three clues, generally based on a person. Um, a, she likes choosing a cousin. He's the favourite one. Um, but I will say, you know, or who has blonde hair, really likes dinosaurs and is older than you. And she will say her cousin every time. Um, but she's really good at doing that for a range of people that she knows. But it doesn't just have to be people. You could do that for items. We've done that for items sometimes, especially if you're in the car. Um, so that's another idea, getting them to describe things. You could make different words and, you know, you can do this on paper, but you can also do it outside with chalk. So you could write the word park and then you change one letter. So it's still a word. So then it might be mark and then you would change another letter um, and see, see how far you can get. You could do a memory game where you put items under a tea towel. Um, so you could do that just to retain memory, but then you could also do it with words. You could write, you know, 10 words and then put them under a tea towel, let them study them and then see how many they can remember and see if they can spell them correctly as well. So another idea you could do then is you could create a pictogram. So you could go out in the garden and you could collect as many sticks and you can do it inside for, you know, if you, if you don't have a garden or if you feel like you've got more items inside, you could collect sticks. You could maybe say, okay, you've got a minute to collect sticks, a minute to collect little stones and a minute to collect leaves. So how many of each can you collect in the minute? And then you've got your data then. So then you could create a pictogram practically using those um, items. So first of all, you could create the pictogram where one leaf equals one leaf. Um, and then after you've done that, if you've got older children, then you could represent them in different ways. So you could say, well, one leaf on my pictogram actually represents two leaves in real life. And, and the same for, for five as well. And you can try out all these different things. You know, so what would you have to do to the leaf then? if that was only going to represent half a leaf because you had five leaves um, and obviously you would have to tear it or cut it or whatever. And that's something that you can easily do that, that um, is not going to ruin anything. Um, so another idea for collecting data to then do a pictogram is maybe, if you know, if it's not a nice day, looking um, on the TV channel. So lots of people have lots of TV channels. So you could maybe look at the channels and, and put them into genres. So this is a drama, this is a documentary and do it based on that. Or you could choose one um, program, especially if it plays repeats. And then you could look at the programs um, that are repeated and, and do that in hours. So it might be that one program is actually on for five hours because it's on two hours, two hours, and then another hour somewhere else. And you can use tally charts as well. You know, you could do it in a tally chart and then after that you could do it in a pictogram or you could do it in a graph. There are so many opportunities here just to do things a bit more practically. And the reason why it's so much easier is because you've got fewer children per adult. 
So the last thing I want to talk about then is online learning. So there are quite a few companies that are doing online learning. Um, schools have signed up to some uh, platforms. At, at Classroom Secrets, we actually do have our own. We haven't had it long. Um, we are in beta testing. We've literally just put so much resource into it over the last week because it was free anyway and we, we are keeping it free um, for the foreseeable future. Um, but we've been adding so many activities now because we're aware that, you know, the world might need mass learning at home. Um, so you can check out that out. It's called kids.classroomsecrets.co.uk. Um, so that's for children who are three to 11 and it's all free. You can sign up there and then you can add children. Um, we've had so many users added over the last few days. So that's really exciting for us, but we just want to we just want to make sure that we've got lots on there for you. So we're working so hard because we want it to be really amazing for you and, and help you at this difficult time. Um, so just a few more tips then before I go. I think it's important to say that you should use all the support out there. So there are lots of companies out there that are do that are offering different things. Some are offering packs, some are offering free access to um, online portals and things like that. Go and find it and use it. Join the Facebook groups. So I think there's a few Facebook groups. Um, we've got one and it's called Coronavirus Home Learning Support for Teachers and Parents. So we've actually been sharing some video practical ideas in there and we'll continue to do that. So some of the things that I've talked about we'll be putting in there but showing you in more detail and telling you which year group it's for and things. Um, so join Facebook groups and just don't be afraid to ask. You know, I think we can, especially as teachers, maybe not parents, we can be afraid to ask uh, for help, thinking that we should know everything. But, you know, this is a difficult time. We're not used to it. And you might have one idea and someone else has another idea. And all you need to do is exchange them to have two ideas each. So don't be afraid to ask. Join those Facebook groups, you know, ask us. We're looking for feedback on the um, online learning platform that we've provided anyway. So if you think that there's something that we've got missing, then just let us know. Um, and I think the last thing to say is just to keep an open mind, especially if your children are in year one, uh, year two, year four or year six. So obviously you've got the SATs, you've got the multiplication test and the phonics test. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know whether these tests are going to be cancelled. We don't know whether they're going to go ahead. We don't know whether they're going to be delayed. But just try not to stress too much. All you can do is what you can do. And it's out of our hands. And there's no sense in worrying about children sitting there for hours on end doing revision. You know, the best thing they can do is, is keep learning and, and keep reading. That's really important. But it is out of our hands. So, so let's not stress about it too much and let's just... Just take it as it comes. Um, so I realise that this has obviously been different to normal and um, you haven't had the luxury of listening to an expert guest, but we thought that it would be really helpful to you to, to get some ideas from us because we've been thinking about it a lot. I know that some people might be quite worried or stressed about this. Um, so any feedback that you've got for us, then please let us know. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. 
I hope that this different format was acceptable to you. We just thought that it'd be really useful for you if we cover this topic and also something that you could share with parents too. I have no idea how my podcast episodes are going to pan out over the coming weeks. I aim to get one to you each week as normal, but in what format, I'm not sure. None of us have a crystal ball into the future. There's two in the bank, so I've got two weeks from now to think up something amazing. If you're listening to this and schools have now closed, it's a great time to get listening to podcasts, so don't forget to listen to the previous episodes. You'll find everything that I talked about in the show notes, including the links to all the resources. And if it's the first time that you're listening to the Teacher's Podcast, then remember to subscribe and explore the other episodes as I've had some truly inspirational and knowledgeable guests. If you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then you can let us know in our Facebook group called The Teacher's Podcast Community. I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a review on whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teacher's Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.